Hi there, travelers. I'm Riley. I'm Angelica. I'm Isabella. And this is the very first Red Eye True Crime International. y'all i am so excited to be doing our very first red eye episode um i think this is going to be a lot of fun um this is also your first and only warning uh that we have each had a, a couple to a few drinks <laughs> in that range um what? i'm sober <laughs> no she's not so these red eye episodes are definitely not going to be like serious episodes and we're not going to be following as much of a script as our normal episodes um so there's definitely going to be more banter and chit-chat. So if that's not your thing, so sorry. Please make your exit. Um, but we hope you stick around and we hope you have as much fun as we do. And with that, uh, we are going to start off with a shot. I'm drinking uh, Crown Royal Peach. I have Jack Daniels Tennessee Fire. I have a bottle of wine because <laughs> I don't have any liquor hear. in my house right now. <laughs> Okay. And also, Ready? this bottle of wine cost me one euro and 15 cents. I love Only. that for you. Cheers. One, two, three. Oh. Cheers. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, the cinnamon must have been at the, ooh, at the bottom of that shooter. <laughs> I really wish I had uh, some cream soda to go with the Crown Royal Peach. I make this drink, y'all, called Call Me By Your Name. Of, co- of course, <laughs> with of course, you do. cream soda and Crown it's Royal a glass, Peach. It's a glass of Crown Royal Peach with a shot of cream soda. <laughs> I, I saw this TikTok that. of it was like how to make mimosas, and someone poured a glass of champagne and then had a, had a spray bottle of orange juice and just like <laughs> two sprays of orange juice. Oh, good. Okay. Now to my main drink. Did that spill everywhere? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw the liquid like shoot to the side. And like that wasn't even my fault that time. Usually- I'm going to say this before we forget later on. Uh, but these with these episodes, we're going to be covering more well-known cl- places. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be covering more well-known cases. And we're also going to be covering cases uh, in countries like the U.S., Canada, the UK, Spain, Australia, cases where we feel we understand the culture more because since we have been drinking, we will not be able to do more like nuance and shit. Um, so bear that in and, mind. And like pronunciations. Like we don't want to continuously like pronounce things wrong because and of the drinking. From mm-hmm. time to time, we will perhaps like be doing a spooky myth or story from a different country. Um but yeah, these are these are just for fun. Yeah, and we just want to sit down to and this, have fun with you. You're listening to this on our regular feed, but after this episode of Red Eye, these will all be on our Patreon. So if you do enjoy this and you want to hear more, head on over to our Patreon. And for just five dollars a month, if you can swing it, uh, you will get at least one of these episodes every month. As in addition to a regular uh, bonus episode and a layover episode, which is just like a shorter version of the regular episode. I wanted to get this pitch done right away because by the end of this, I feel like we will be very We're distracted <laughs> and we will forget. So if we do it now. It'll be fine because we will I'm be drunker right now. We may occasionally do these on our main feed just because we have fun doing them. But mm-hmm. for now, they will be on our Patreon because we want to get people over there. Apart from this one. Yeah um but today uh isabella and i are really excited because we're gonna chat and debate uh the oj simpson case um which many people already know a lot about so like i'm not gonna go into super detail um for the sake of time and for the sake of my own sanity but i say debate because um isabella and i have a theory that um angelica doesn't quite agree with so i think this will be fun also i feel like you could definitely convince me because i 
You will be convinced. Also, let's let's like, start there. <laughs> I know about the OJ Simpson case. I've learned about it like several times, but each time I learn about it, I just like it kind of fades out of memory. She forgets. So yes, you know. <laughs> so like, what you, she means. you know it sort of, but it's very vague for you. So convince yeah. me, bitches. I feel like we can. Mm-hmm. I can stop burping. Okay. Yeah, I just did. <laughs> okay, so I'm just gonna like kind of go through like an overview and a timeline of the case because it's easiest to do it in chronological order. So. It begins on June 12th of 1994. You said begins. God, I do that every time. <laughs> I've done well, that several done. times in several episodes. Okay. We love it. It begins on June 12th, 1994 with the killing of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman. Uh, they were both stabbed to death at Nicole's Los Angeles house. Um, and I'm kind of like starting with that and then I'm going to backtrack a little bit and then we'll get back to that um nicole is oj simpson's ex-wife and on the night of her death around 6 30 their family um attended her and oj's daughter's dance recital um and then they went out to din- to dinner afterwards they went out to eat at a restaurant um without oj oj did not go to dinner and then they actually ate at the restaurant that ron goldman worked at And so when they left, Nicole's mom accidentally left her glasses at the restaurant. And because Nicole was like famous and well-known, most people in the area knew where she lived. And so Ron just offered to swing by and drop them off on his way home. Oh, Riley, remember when we were in Austin and I just left my purse at some bar? (laughs) (laughs) We had a call and be like, help (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you want to hear you want to hear a story in the 90s my parents were living in london and uh i know the story you know the story it's so yeah. good riley do you know the story i don't know okay so you've only one sentence <laughs> but uh, angel already knew it anyway um so in the in the early 90s there was a recession in london and my mom was going to be laid off and so my parents didn't have the money to be able to continue living in london so at that time Uh, The U.S. was in a great economic position, and my mom's a dual citizen. And so my parents were like, let's move to America. My mom still had family in Michigan. And so they were like, yeah, this is a great idea. Let's do it. And they were all ready to go. And my mom had all of my dad's documents, his original birth certificate, everything he needed to be able to move to the U.S., they were already married, so they didn't have to go through like a super crazy process, but they mm-hmm. still needed like all of his original documents of like everything. And uh, my mom had them and went to her local pub and had a couple drinks there, met some people, and they were like, let's go to this other place. And they went there and had a couple drinks. And they were like, let's go to this other place and this other place and this other place. And the next morning, my mom woke up at her at her apartment. She was like, <gasps> the I, documents. Where are they? <laughs> So she called she called the pub that she went to first because that was the pub she always went to. They knew her and they were like, yeah, I mean, you were here and you had them, but you took them with you. And so Uh-oh. and she was like, do you have any idea where we went? And so she had to like call all these pubs around the area to try and track it down. And luckily, a pub uh, that I don't think she had ever been to before or uh, like or at least she didn't remember going there. They had found the documents after close and were like, oh, these are important and kept them uh, just in case. Good someone thing they were good them. people. <laughs> right? Because those my are mom, like, that's like identity theft documents. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like someone could have 100% stolen my dad's identity and moved to the U.S. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Like it would have been one thing if it was her documents, but it was extra bad that it was my dad's documents. <laughs> Okay, so then around 10.45, OJ had, like, a a friend staying at his house, a house guest. Um, and the house guest heard a thumping noise, like, um, coming from, like, somewhere in the house. So he, like, went to investigate but, like, didn't really see anything. That is and- on my list of things that terrify me. And, like, <laughs> I'm so scared that I'm just going to hear a thumping noise. Well, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. And, no! Um, <laughs> There's a this is a side note. Um OJ's house is only like a couple miles from Nicole's house in LA. Like they live pretty close to each other. 
I was actually watching a video about this earlier and they drove from Nicole's house to Rockingham, which was OJ's house, and it was mm-hmm. six minutes. Yeah, super close. And then between 10.50 and 10.55, Nicole's neighbor spotted her dog just like wandering down the street by itself and its paws were bloody. No, that's worse. That's worse than the fucking <laughs> noise. So then at 11.10, this is the timeline that I found. And this is the one that I'm following. I'm sorry if it's a little confusing for some people. But at 11.10, after waiting for 36 minutes, OJ's limousine driver sees him leave his house, like exit his house. And then OJ gets in the limousine and the driver takes him to the LAX airport for his flight to Chicago that he was had already planned. Like he was already planning on going to Chicago. And his flight departed at 11.45. Now... It's unclear to me why there's such like a large gap here, but at 12.10 a.m., Nicole's dog, the one with the bloody paws, so like the the one neighbor saw the dog between 10.50 and 10.55. I guess that neighbor didn't like do anything about it because at this time at 12.10, the same dog leads her neighbors, not sure if it's the same neighbor, to her and Ron's bodies. Like, I'm sure someone saw the dog and they said, puppy, what's wrong? And the puppy said, a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And there was also a bloody leather glove found at the scene, as well as a blue knit ski cap found beside the victims. That's going to be my dad's FaceTime, Amy, (laughs) y'all. Mark, join us. (laughs) Dad, you want to say... Uh, hi to our listeners. Hi to your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> hi, My Mark. daughter and her best hi, friend are wonderful people. Oh, <laughs> he might be a little biased, but I'll take and it. And I love them all. <laughs> Thank you. Love you, right, Mark. I'm gonna let you go then. Okay, <laughs> love you, dude. Okay, love you guys. See you later. Bye. Bye. Mark used to be our boss at the convention center where the three of us worked. And I used to say that I could, like, cause I was the head of the front end where, cause I, we worked at the concession stand. We did a bunch of other stuff, but like we mostly spent time with the concession stand. Whenever I say concession stand, it feels like not a big deal, exactly. but there were like three full kitchens deal. and like 10 registers. It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. And I, I kind of headed the front end while I was there. And I always said that, like, I, I, I felt as though if I had stabbed a customer, Mark still would have defended me. Oh, for yeah. sure. Mark would have Mark would have been like, no, it was me who stabbed the customer. Mark <laughs> is everybody's dad, just so mm-hmm. you all know. Mark would have given you all the knife. <laughs> <laughs> he would have sharpened it. <laughs> he said, wait, 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 wait. It's not sharp. Let me just. <laughs> He's like, no, you don't understand. She threw a hot dog at my employee. <laughs> Which was a common occurrence, by the way. Like, this, no lie. I had credit cards thrown at me, change, receipts. <laughs> like, we would have we would have lines 14 people deep across, like, five registers for hours at a time. It was, when I say concession stand, it, it, like, you, like you said, Riley, it feels like no big deal. It was a big deal. We had big for, shows. For, like, conventions. Like, think, like, Comic-Con, a state fair, mm-hmm. like, big big shows with not very nice yeah. people comic-con Thanks, people are very sweet and very nice thank you comic-con people i love yes. you yes comic-con was the best on a like on a busy day times times 100. 12 hours like <laughs> oh my longest shift was 22 hours oh my longest McDonald's was 17 during the lunch. <laughs> yes my longest okay. was 17 anyways anyways <laughs> 4 15 a.m oj checks into his hotel in chicago at 4.30 a.m., the police go to O.J.'s home on Rockingham Avenue uh, to inform him that Nicole had been killed, and he obviously wasn't there, but they found his car, a white Bronco, um, and his car had blood on it. And then they also found a bloody glove that matched the one that had been found near Ron's body at the scene. So remember the glove I mentioned? They found the pair. So now they have two of the same gloves, leather gloves with blood on them. And then... At 10.45 a.m., the police finally obtain a search warrant to search O.J.'s house, um, and they find even more blood inside as well as inside his Bronco. So then at 12... That's that's why. It's the amount of blood that has me like, he did this. Yes. Okay, but just wait. 
at 12 p.m. that day. So this is like the day after the murders, like the noon after that night. OJ returns back to LA after like being informed of Nicole's death. And wait, 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 wait. So they hold on. You you didn't put this in, and this is like one of my favorite parts of the story, so I have to say it. Okay, go ahead. The police in LA called L- OJ in New York to let him know that his ex-wife was dead. And the first in Chicago. Thing, so sorry, yeah. In Chicago. What did I say? <laughs> New York. <laughs> right. Not not the same city. <laughs> <laughs> in Chicago. Uh, and the police informed him that his ex-wife was dead. And the first thing that OJ said was who killed her. Not what happened. Not how did she die. Who killed her. That was the first thing that he said. Weird. Right? Oh, sir. Your wife's dead. They'd be like, what do you mean? What happened? Yeah, ex-wife. Same thing. Like, what do you mean? What happened? When did this happen? Because like that, it could have been a car accident. Right. But he, you know, his, his first question, like the first thing out of his mouth was who killed her? Bro. That's suspicious to me, honestly. That's pretty sus. OJ But sus this is also mouth. suspicious. I didn't see this in a lot of sources that I looked at, but I remember in like middle school or high school, I like was watching this documentary on the case and I saw this in the documentary. So that's what I'm going to talk about right now. So he comes back and he's immediately handcuffed and then he's taken into custody and questioned outside of his house. And like I said, something that isn't usually mentioned, but that I thought was really suspicious is that. So when he gets back from Chicago, he pulls up to the house in a car and he gets out and he has like an overnight shoulder bag. He's carrying it. And so he walks up to the house with the shoulder bag and that's when he's like handcuffed and questioned. And then after like while he's walking away and he's doing all that, his secretary gets out of the car, a woman, and she's also carrying a shoulder bag. But then she's also carrying a Louis Vuitton garment bag. And it's like, um, like garment bags are like the long things that you can hang clothes in. But then it was like folded up in half. So it like wasn't super long and she could just like carry it by her side. And then she walks over to OJ's best friend, Robert Kardashian, the dad, not the son. And, like, hugs him and talks with him, like, super close for a weirdly long time. Like, they're, like, their heads are, like, right next to each other. And they're, like, it looks like he's consoling her. But, like, it also looks like they could be, like, whispering in each other's ears. I don't know. Looks weird to me. And the entire time that they're talking, the garment bag is, like, sitting on the ground next to Robert. Like, it's, like, leaning up against his leg. And, like, no one else noticed this garment bag but there's footage like this guy has footage of all this happening with the garment bag in it and then they like they like stop talking you know after a while rob picks up the garment bag and just like stands there for a second like looking around because like he can't go anywhere like he's standing in the driveway but the driveway's like blocked off by a car and a bunch of people and police officers and stuff so he's just like standing there holding this bag like looking for a way to like get out And then he finally, like, finds an out and starts walking to his car. And then he puts the bag in his car, and it's never seen again. That's suspicious. That's weird. (laughs) Never seen again. He cannot produce it at any point during the trial, during the case. It's very good to mention at this point that Robert Kardashian ended up being one of OJ's lawyers. Yes, I did put that there. Um, He ended up representing him because... Robert Kardashian was a lawyer and Robert Kardashian wasn't really like he wasn't really like a big name at this time like the Kardashian name wasn't like super huge like until he represented OJ and then like and like everything else happened after obviously but um there's a whole video to this I will um link it somewhere maybe on the Facebook page it's like on Vimeo but um I watched the whole video last night it's really interesting Okay, and then three days later, on June 16th, was um, Nicole's funeral, and OJ and his two children attended. He wasn't, like, in custody or anything. He was able to attend. Hold on. And You mean the two children that he had with Nicole? No. Because he had children before he was with Nicole as well. Yes, it was the two children that were not Nicole's children. Okay, so now we're skipping to a month later, and this is kind of, like, where the the extra juice begins. LMAO, that's a pun, because everyone called him the juice. <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> Did that. Did you know that? That was his nickname, was the juice. No. Did okay, not know so that. I'm going to mention it now. 
there's a series about the trial of O.J. Simpson. It's a Ryan Murphy show. It's uh, it's American Crime Story, but the first season is just the trial of O.J. Simpson, and it's so good. If you haven't watched it, you absolutely should. It's on Netflix. I think it's on Netflix in the U.S. It should be. Um, and in the series, uh, Robert Kardashian is played by David Schwimmer, and because Robert Kardashian was friends, really good friends with O.J. Simpson, and always called him the Juice. And I watched this TikTok compilation the other day of just David Schwimmer saying the juice, 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 juice <laughs> over and over again when when talking to OJ. Yeah, Robert Kardashian and OJ were like best friends and um, Chris Kardashian and Nicole were best friends. So like they're like families were really close. And then after all this happened, Chris and Robert were like split even further because they essentially took sides. And yeah. Just fun fact. It is on Netflix in the U.S. I oh, good. Uh, it's really good. I highly recommend watching it because even if we, I, I doubt we'll sway anyone one way or the other. But what's mm-hmm. really nice about the series is that it focuses mostly on the trial and it's a very objective view of the trial. They tried to be as objective as possible. They did not take sides. I did not walk away from that series with any sort of conclusions in my brain. Um, obviously it's a drama, so there are things that they dramatized and, you know, things that weren't yeah. quite as they were in real life. But at the end of the day, they were as factual as they could possibly be. And it was a really great way for uh, myself. And I'm sure because I know neither of you have seen it, but you absolutely should. It's really good. Um, we didn't we were we were not born when this happened. This happened in no. 1994. Uh, Angelica and I were born in 1996, Riley in 1998. So this is before our time, and it was a really cool way to see uh, what happened during all this time from a very objective point of view because you spend just as much time with the defense as you do the prosecution. You've got great actors. Like, I can't sell this show enough. It's really good. Check it out. It's one season. It's like eight episodes. Anyway. Man, I want to watch it just because I know Sarah Paulson has, like, these outrageous curls. I she plays Marsha Clark, who is the lead prosecutor, and I love Marsha Clark, and I love Sarah Paulson, so it was like a match made in heaven, and just, moi, love it. Also, I wish everyone could see how Bella is, like, gripping the neck of her wine bottle right now as she talks. I'm like, very impressed. It's a go. really good series. <laughs> <laughs> and I really like that it's objective. Like, it does not pick a side. It does not come at it from a view of he did it or he didn't do it. It's just like, this is how the trial was. And they actually dedicate an entire episode to the hell that the jury went through during the trial, which I'm sure we'll talk, we're going to talk about the trial later. Um, But I really love that they gave the, the, just the jury an entire episode because I really go into detail on the jury besides the fact that they were sequestered. So Mm -hmm. go for it. You can talk about it later. No, I was selected but I didn't have to, like, like I went and then they dismissed me because I was in school. Oh, uh, yeah. I haven't done it either. I would like I have, to do I've it. I just, I didn't want to miss that much school. I've never gotten a thing, but even if they send me one now, like, I can't go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I live in a different no country. <laughs> Anyways, getting back to Sir OJ. We're skipping to a month later. <laughs> Sir OJ. He does not deserve that <laughs> amount of respect. <laughs> and like I said, this is where the juicy juice begins. So on July 17th, after um, saying that he was going to cooperate with the investigation and with police, um, he just changes his mind and he decides that he's going to flee in his Bronco, making himself a fugitive. So this man leads police on a 60 mile chase in his white Bronco. And this chase is broadcasted on TV with 95 million people watching and interrupts the NBA finals. Like, that's what it's famous for. Like, this this car chase interrupted the NBA finals on TV because it was, like, breaking news. And then he just goes back to his house and surrenders around 9 p.m. Man, I mean, I don't it, know. It's to note, he was not driving. He was in the back. His friend was no, driving. No, yes, his friend was driving. His friend, his friend was, driving, was driving the car. But his friend wouldn't stop because uh, OJ was apparently suicidal and had a gun in the car. I'm just saying, I couldn't survive a police chase like i'm anxious with a regular it wasn't it wasn't so much as a chase more than like um they were following him and there was like helicopters following him it was low speed 
Yeah, but it wasn't like it wasn't like crazy like ninety mile an hour chase. No, imagine. I'm like sorry. Imagine this broadcasted, and you're expecting like a a chase, and then they're just driving. no but people were super interested like there was like 95 million people watching for sure yeah this case i mean this whole thing was it was the trial of the century of the 20th century yeah um like even before i knew like what the case was actually about i knew the name oj simpson just because because of what it is it's Um, really interesting because for us growing up we only know oj simpson because of this trial but if we had been the age we are now in 1994, we would know OJ as the football player, the guy in the commercials, the actor. Yeah, like exactly. this is why I don't know so OJ big. as a he football was, player is at all, or an actor. To me, or anything. he's the like, man he, who was like on trial for the murder the of his wife. Trial. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So then, five days later, after being in police custody, um, OJ pleads, "quote Absolutely, 100% not guilty to both of the murder charges." That's what he said. They and put so that line the... in the in the series. Really? Yeah, that's what I want to uh, watch that now. Cuba yeah. Gooding Jun- Cuba Gooding Jr. plays OJ, and th- he says oh. that in the series. And now this is where the trial begins, and I'm actually not going to go into like a ton of detail on the trial again, like I did with everything else, because it's so long, and I'm just trying to give y'all an idea of the case because we're having fun here. So here are the highlights. His attorneys disagreed a lot. Uh, two of them even decided to stop speaking to one another because that's how much was going on. Um, and then OJ writes and releases a book titled, quote, I want to tell you, colon, my response to your letters, your messages, your questions. And then Nicole's sister-in-law, sister-in-law, takes a stand and testifies about how OJ like really abused Nicole and he did like there were several instances where she had to call the police Nicole did because like she was terrified for her life because OJ was just like going insane and like breaking down doors and like yelling and screaming and stuff and then the jurors there was 24 of them and like Bella said they were like they went through some shit and they were sequestered for this whole time and so it was nine. It was months. a little crazy. Yeah, nine months being sequestered for a trial. They weren't allowed to leave the hotel. They were constantly surveilled. They couldn't. Um, they couldn't read anything or watch anything that didn't like go through uh, like person after person for approval. Mm-hmm. And they went yep. crazy. I never, I never considered the jury before. I watched the series, and again, like it's a drama, so I understand everything is not. 100 percent mm-hmm. factual but it really gave me a lot of sympathy for them because well it's like damn it's like what we've been doing for the past nine months like they're basically quarantined yeah but they don't have the freedom that we do during quarantine to do whatever mm-hmm. we want inside our homes the only yeah. thing like, i like would be great about that is staying in a hotel for that long i fucking love hotels yeah hotels are nice but not one like that's <laughs> but the they're only not even place allowed to you talk can to be their you families know? they weren't yeah, allowed to talk to their families pressure. or anything I wouldn't be able to handle that. That would suck. Um, But uh, they did get to go on field trips to the crime scene and to OJ's home so that they could see them, you know, in person. And then (laughs) field trips. They're fun. (laughs) And then one of the detectives um, in this case was actually accused of being like super racist and planting evidence. And he denied both of them. But um, I'll come back to that in just a minute. And then one of the criminologists admit that um proper protocols weren't exactly enforced at the crime scene and so like things weren't handled correctly in that some cases way too often i know and it's the lapd bro it's the lapd <laughs> it's the lapd every it's time the, it's always the, the LAPD. lapd they're so corrupt and terrible like i'm sorry if you work oh. for the lapd and you're actually a good person but come on you know that your police force is fucked oh, up Bella, you know what we should do a red eye episode about the lapd <laughs> Just the LAPD. It we would will, be like dig up every time the LAPD fucked up and put it in an episode. <laughs> that would be like ten hours long. Oh god! Every just the most every case one. that we know where it was corrupted. No, the LAPD they left evidence in the car not packaged properly, and just to, they they left it in in cars to be overheated. Like they would leave them in cars for hours and hours and hours and hours at a time in the LA heat. Like what the fuck? 
And in hot- and this is in like July, like June, yes. July. It is hot in Los Angeles. And uh the Riley's gonna come back to it, but like the one police officer uh who's accused of planting evidence, he was allowed to go around the crime scene just on his own. Yeah. The it, like they're like the enforcement and the rules were not followed. No. It was terrible. No. I think I think the reason OJ was acquitted was well, one of the major reasons OJ was acquitted was because of how poorly the crime scene was treated. So yeah. it it introduced enough reasonable doubt to acquit him of the crimes. Exactly. Um, and then there's evidence presented um, about some of the blood found at the crime scene. There was like blood that didn't belong to Ron or Nicole. And the, not OJ? Well, hold on. Okay. The person who examined the blood said that there was a one in, sorry, a one in 170 million chance that the blood that belonged, wait, no. (laughs) Okay, there was a one in 170 million chance that the blood belonged to anyone but OJ. So, like, they were like, we're pretty sure it's his, but there's a one in 170 million chance. That is slim. That it could belong to someone else. (laughs) So now this is like, quote unquote, like the biggest piece of evidence that like people looked at when thinking about the OJ case. And that is that in the courtroom, OJ tried on the leather gloves that were found at both Nicole's house and at his house with blood on them. And they were too small for him. There's issues with this, though. Too tight. Go ahead. When you, like, I don't I don't want to make this sound like I think that OJ did it because I, Ryan and I have another theory. However, when he tries on the gloves in the courtroom, first of all, he's holding his hands as wide as he possibly can. Like, you know, when you, like, spread oh. your fingers out like he's this. He's holding them <laughs> oh. so wide. And second of all, they just barely don't fit. It's not like he can't even get them over his fingers. Like, he gets them most of the way over his hands. If you look at, if you leather look at pictures, gloves. yeah. If you look at pictures, it actually looks like they do fit. But, like, in the I'm courtroom, he exclaims, they're too tight. Yes. However, they're leather gloves. And when leather gets wet, it shrinks. Mm-hmm. Like, with blood. Exactly. Well, I mean, with they fit blood. him well enough. Exactly. If they got wet with blood, that's enough to make them shrink, but not enough to make them shrink so much that it's like a whole size smaller. They look just just a little too tight, and he's still holding his hands in a really weird way. Also, he looks so fucking smug in this part, like, of the trial, like, the pictures of it. Yeah. Mm -mm. I don't like. So then there was the ski cap, you know, that they found at the scene as well. Um, And there were hairs inside the ski cap. And so OJ's hair is found to be, quote, consistent with the 12 hairs found inside of the blue ski cap, but they couldn't be ruled identical. And therefore, that evidence is circumstantial. And then there was also dog hair found in the cap, but OJ did not own a dog. Keep that in mind. But Nicole did. Yes, Nicole did. Couldn't it have been Nicole's? Well, just just okay. keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> so then, after this, um, there are tapes that are released um, of the detective. De- there are <laughs> tapes that are released of the detective from earlier, the one that was accused of being racist. Um, tapes of him saying racial slurs that he had denied previously, but they had tapes of it. He said he used racial slurs forty times in one consecutive taping. Yes. Like, this was, like, this wasn't, like, he said, like, one thing. No, this was, like, damning evidence. I'm and also, you, you have out, to take, like, you have to take into here. consideration, this was in 1994-1995 in Los Angeles. 1992 was the year that the Rodney King riots happened because of the vicious beating of Rodney King by police mm-hmm. and their subsequent acquittal, which they should not have been acquitted. Um, so, like, racial tensions were high, and the... OJ's lawyers used that to their advantage in this case. And the the detective that said a bunch of racial slurs, fuck him. And if he had planted evidence, I would not be surprised in oh, the slightest. Oh, I would be surprised 
surprised at oh. all. Supplized. Supplies. Supplies. <laughs> <Surprised. laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. No, I wouldn't be surprised at all. But it's like when when the defense got those tapes of him using the racial slurs, that what I to me, that's what got OJ Simpson off. Yes. Not got him and- off. No. That's what that's what got him acquitted. <laughs> <laughs> I think So I didn't if I'm being completely honest, I didn't go into like super detail on this research because I knew that it was going to be chatty. We were just talking about it. It was like, you know, theories and stuff. Um, so I didn't super look into um, the blood that was found in the house. Isabella actually might know some about it. I think there were some on the stairs and some in OJ's bedroom. Do you I have any knowledge of that? About this. I remember some stuff about this in, in the stuff and I've I watched, think there was, it had I think to do, there was it had to do with socks. No, I think there was something about the sock in there was a sock in OJ's bedroom and they weren't sure if the sock was planted or something like that. Yeah, no, because that was like the the only evidence that could have been planted. I think the sock was uh, really bloody. And if he had walked through the house wearing that sock, he would have tracked blood. They would have found it. But that's exactly what it was. They only found blood on the sock specifically in the bedroom they didn't find it anywhere else in the house mm-hmm. so unless he like took off the sock cleaned his foot and then walked through the house and then dropped the sock in the bedroom but exactly I mean, that seems what are the odds of that exactly and that's that's another thing that to me is leans more towards his innocence and i think is another reason that introduced enough reasonable doubt to acquit him of the murders yes so um then we bec- then we come to the closing arguments. Um, the defense, oh my god, the defense presents their closing argument the day after the prosecution does, and one of the de- attorneys um, on OJ's side um, delivers the famous phrase, "quote If it doesn't fit, you must acquit." End quote. Like referring to the gloves. I hate cut and that's phrases. like the f- I know that's like, like the famous phrase that came out of this case. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Because it's like a little catchy rhyme. Gotta go. So the jury deliberated for four hours. After no- a nine month After trial. nine months of this trial. That's And O.J. Simpson was acquitted on October 3rd of 1995. We can cut this part out. But I do want to mention... Like, we can cut this pot out once we're sober and we can actually think about it. But the jury was made up of, I believe, I believe these are the numbers. Uh, But it was eight black people, one Hispanic person, uh, two white people, and two people of mixed race. And because racial tensions were so high in the city at the time, in addition to the racial aspect of the case, specifically as presented by the defense, um, I do think that also... uh, lent a lot to the decision because it would yeah. have been very natural for the people of color on the jury to feel the pressure and like it's either us or them sort of thing exactly yeah like you said that, it, because of the time that this case happened in in mm-hmm. la yeah and they do okay. explore that in the jury episode of uh the, the the trial of O.J. Simpson of American Crime yeah. Stories. I don't know so. if your numbers were uh, completely correct because I did read that there were 24 jurors. But I could have been wrong. But uh, at least it was majority black. Like there were only a couple yeah, of white yeah. people on the jury. Mm-hmm. And I do think that is important to note because race played a factor in like it, it, it did play a, a huge part in the trial. And that was by design by the defense. Yeah. By the dream team, which is what OJ's <coughs> lawyers were called. Okay, so now we're going to get into our theory. And the theory is, which Isabella and I both believe, um, that OJ did not kill Nicole and Ron. He was innocent because we believe that it was actually OJ's son, Jason Simpson, and OJ just helped cover it up. So here's why here are just like a couple reasons why I think so. Isabella might have some more and she can say hers after, but here I'm going to list the reasons why I think so. So 
Ron was a third degree black belt and would have absolutely fought back against his attacker. And bruising on his body showed that he did viciously fight back. But aside from like one scratch on OJ's knuckle and they like um, they examined OJ's whole body, like stripped him down and examined his whole body. OJ had no wounds and no bruising anywhere on his body like the day after the murders happened. Is there any like photographs that show Jason after? No, no. He wasn't examined. No, yeah, he wasn't examined because he wasn't thought of. Yeah, I guess, and he wasn't in the spotlight, really, so he wouldn't yeah. have photos. Reason number two, Jason was a chef, and he knew his way around knives. He knew how to use knives very well, and he had also had, like, knife fighting training and stuff like that. Knife fighting training? Oh, Yeah, God. I don't know. Okay. I don't exactly remember what I read, but, you know. Okay, so my third reasoning is um, the night of the murder, the family, like including OJ, was actually supposed to go eat dinner at Jason's restaurant because he was a chef. He worked at like some fancy restaurant and he was like excited to like show off for them, you know, like have his family in the restaurant to cook for. But then Nicole and OJ got into a fight like after the after the dance recital. And Nicole decided to take the family elsewhere without OJ. But no one ever let Jason know. So people think that he, like, left work that night in, like, a fit of rage and just, like, went right to her house. And another reason why they think that is because um, Jason had been diagnosed with intermittent rage disorder. Is, and he, is that yeah. the same as intermittent explosive disorder? You know, I'm not exactly sure. Liam has it in Teen Wolf, and I'm like, I've been reading a lot about <laughs> it. It's very interesting. It's also referred to as Jekyll and Hyde syndrome. I wonder if it's Ooh, that's a cool similar. name. That yeah. is cool. Not a cool so, disorder. But, no, but it's but a cool like, name a for cool a disorder. Name. Yeah. Um, but and he had been prescribed meds for um this disorder that he had been diagnosed with, but he had stopped taking them months before the incident. And when he was off his meds, he had been known to have, like, black outfits of rage. So that's why he they, people think he got, like, really upset when they didn't come and they didn't t- tell him. They were like a, you know, quote-unquote, no-call, no-show. <laughs> and he was just, like, pissed. It could have been, like, the straw that broke the camel's back. And I'm going to add two points here that you didn't mention that, that give weight to the Jason theory. And okay. one is... Uh, Jason and Nicole always had a tumultuous relationship. Jason Mm -hmm. was not Nicole's child. Jason was the child that uh, OJ had with his first wife. And it's reported that they always had a tumultuous relationship. They never really got along. Um, So the idea that he would be upset that they didn't show up would make Mm -hmm. sense. And the idea that he would blame her for it over his father would also make sense. Yeah. Yep. In addition to that... Uh, at the restaurant, Jason had uh, a, a time punch card. Like it nowadays, when you punch in, it's generally like you just put in whatever employee number you have or your, the last word of your social, and it's all it's all done digitally. But this was the nineties, yep. and I actually I used to work at a restaurant where I did this as well. Yeah, they I did too. Had, they had the paper punch cards uh, mm-hmm. where you would punch in and punch out, and uh, I did at a country club and at my lifeguarding job. He had written in, like, by hand, the time that he punched out on the night of the murders. Yeah. And do you remember what time that was? Uh, No, I don't. Let me look it up. That's very interesting. Because that's easier to mess with. But I don't think you need pictures of his punch card, but I I don't know what time he wrote in. But he wrote in a... I know he wrote in a time that does indicate that he he was still at work. Yes, he would yeah. have, like he would have been at work at the time the murders took place, but he mm-hmm. wrote in that time himself. And yes, uh, there was a documentary series released this year in 2020 about the case, uh, produced by Martin Sheen of all people. Oh, oh. okay. And in the series, I love they Martin do. Sheen. Me too. In this series, <laughs> I, they really. Are I'm you sorry. good? 
I'm just thinking about how attracted I am to Martin Sheen now. Okay, we don't. I don't want to think about that. So, uh, so anyway, they explore the theory of Jason being the person that did it, Um, and they also have a, a detective corroborate that theory. There's also a police officer who wrote a book about this whole thing about about Jason potentially being the person that did it and that mm-hmm. detective is in the police hall of fame. Yeah. Uh there are issues with the theory and one of the main like I I subscribe to this theory. But one big reason that I do have doubts with this theory is that Marsha Clark, who was the leading prosecutor on the OJ Simpson case, who I love, uh doesn't believe this theory. Mm. However, which makes sense. It makes However, sense. I mean, she I was still believe. I do still yeah. believe this theory. It could not be right. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, anyone out there. But there was, I believe, there was like an auction on a storage u- unit that Jason had some years ago. And in that auction, there was a knife. I've heard that, I yes. think. And the knife was believed to match the one used in the crime because the knife was never found. Yeah, no, it, it never was. Could it but I think, the, I've, I think I've also heard that. In the documentary that. series that they released this year, they claimed to have the knife, but... You never saw it. Yeah. Could the but knife... No, they, they, they did show the knife in the series, but it's not... Uh, like, it's not proven to be the actual mur- murder weapon. Yeah. Could Could the knife have been one of the things in that garment bag it could have because we have no idea what's in the garment bag yeah you know i i personally believe that it's more likely to have been oj's son uh oj's son told him and then oj tried to help him cover it up i don't believe it was fully premeditated i don't believe oj had it out for nicole in that way necessarily but when it came down to choosing his ex-wife over his son, I believe he chose to defend his son. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. And I, I have a couple more things. So um, my last bit of uh, quote unquote evidence uh, that it was Jason is that in that ski cap, they found those hairs that were, quote, consistent with OJ's hairs, <laughs> meaning that the hairs definitely belonged to a black male and with oj and jason having the same dna their hair would look pretty similar you know and like be pretty similar but the hair was never tested against jason so they don't like for sure know if it would be a match that's just something that i think of in my own brain um additionally jason had a dog i.e the dog hairs that were found in the cap, but they were never tested against his dog's hairs, obviously, because he was a suspect, but then cleared. Um, and then Jason was also known to frequently wear knitted caps, like beanies. So, like, it wouldn't be strange to say that the cap left of the scene could have been his because he always wore hats like that. Um, so, what I think happened, just like Isabella, um, Jason was mad about them not coming to the restaurant. And like she said, um, he already had this tumultuous relationship with Nicole. Um, So when he left, he was in like this fit of rage and he went to Nicole's house and Ron was just kind of caught in the crossfire, I think, unfortunately. Um, And then when he came to, he panicked. And part of my theory is that he had borrowed his dad's car that day to go to work or whatever. (laughs) I don't know if that's true or not, but in my brain, this is my theory. Um, And so he drove to OJ's house, which again is a six minute drive. And then when he got there, he started banging on one of the doors. I don't have a theory for which one, but one of them because OJ's house guest had heard that thumping noise. So in Mm -hmm. my head, I'm like, that's Jason banging on the door. Um, And then OJ was so late for his limousine because he was inside trying to figure out what to do with Jason. And I'm guessing that he put everything of Jason's in that garment bag and then took it to Chicago while he was in Chicago, called Robert, said, be at my house when I get back to L.A. and then gave him the garment bag 
Robert did whatever he did with the garment bag because it's never seen again. And then OJ told Jason that he would just go on trial for this murder because I'm guessing that OJ was pretty confident that he wouldn't be found guilty because he actually didn't do it. Like, how could they find him guilty if he wasn't the one that actually did it? That's, so my, that's theory. my theory. That's, that's all I have. All that's right. that's yeah. my theory. That's all I have. That's yeah. that's very interesting. And I could see, like, where you guys are coming from. Um, I just, like, want to keep reading up on this because, like, for so I just long, feel as though... I've been convinced that OJ did it. And, like, but, like I don't think I still have although... that in my mind. OJ was very abusive to Nicole. I don't think that he would have just killed Nicole and this Ron guy out in front of Nicole's house. No. Like, I don't think that he would really have any motive necessarily to to kill her that night for whatever reason. And it makes more sense to me. And if he if he were to ever harm her, I feel like he would have done it before in these other fits of rage that he had where he was like yelling and screaming and stuff. Yeah, I've listened to some of the 911 tapes of Nicole calling Me too. Uh, when OJ was in a fit of rage and just like, it's scary. It was scary to listen to oh, it. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I can see, it's not surprising to me that her death is a result of her relationship with OJ. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily believe that OJ did it on that night. Is responsible for it. Yeah. Yeah. I I could see him. I could believe that he would have done it at some point. But given the circumstances and given the evidence, I just don't. There's an, For me, there is enough reasonable doubt and there is not enough motive for that night specifically for him to have done it. Yeah, I agree. I believe that if he had intended to kill Nicole, it would have been much more personal and I feel like her death was very violent and the fact that Ron was there. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I it think, was an accident well, that he was I there. Think that if, I think that if OJ would have went to her house or gone to her house with the intention of doing this or whatever, that if he saw that other man there, he wouldn't have done anything. But, okay, so um, I understand. So Nicole knew, well, at least Ron knew Nicole. And knew of from her. the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what if OJ, being like kind of abusive dude he was, saw them and was just jealous because, like, he saw them together and he was uninvited from the dinner, and he like thought that this was a dude that came along and spent time with the family, and he just got jealous, and that increased his rage that he already had yeah totally i can see where you're coming from but like something that was um a regular thing in these like fits that that oj would get where he would where he was abusive towards nicole a lot of it was like yelling and screaming and so i think if if that would have been it. I think before he would have laid his hands on Nicole, he would have like screamed his head off, like at the guy, at Nicole, if he was really like this jealous. But none of her neighbors said that they heard any like yelling, anything like that. And so I just think that if it was him, there would have been much more of a scene. Also, I feel like even if jason did it i have like no doubt in my mind it was like he definitely had to have been influenced in his own father's treatment of nicole oh 100 oh absolutely otherwise like that's definitely something like that could convince me because i don't believe that exactly i don't believe that oj had zero to do with nicole's death but my only thing is I don't think that OJ did the stabbing of Nicole no, me, and Ron. Me I don't think he had the weapon. I, we- I that- don't think he ever held the weapon. I don't think he okay. ever had anything to do with the actual physical act of killing them. However, I do believe that if Nicole had never met OJ, she would be alive today. Yeah. Yes. Perhaps, I agree. perhaps there was a phone call. Um like OJ called Jason. And, like, was fuming 
and let him know why Nicole wasn't come to the re- wasn't coming to the restaurant. And that then, could also like, be a possibility. Yeah, yeah, it could have. Because I mean, we don't really know anything about what had happened between like the time that they left the restaurant and Nicole got home and Ron got there. Like, yeah. he could have been calling Nicole in that time and then calling Jason and all that stuff. But we don't know that because Nicole would be the only witness. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. OJ's not going to say that he was in a fight with her that night. No, he he went to McDonald's with the guy staying at his guest house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm fully intoxicated. <laughs> I love oh, that. me too. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, that's really all we have on this case. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing it, though. Yeah, me yeah. too. I mean, there are, there are tons of theories as to who could have done it, if not OJ. Oh, yeah. But to me, the one that holds the most weight is the son. And yeah. for me, there is enough reasonable doubt in the physical evidence that I don't, I, I am just not sold that OJ did it. I can understand the arguments. And if you think OJ did it, I understand you. I fully do. And if you oh, don't yeah, think OJ yeah. did it, I also fully understand you. I just i am more inclined to believe that it was the son. Like there, there's one theory that it was uh, a serial killer that was going around at the time. Boy. But I don't believe that for a second. To me, it just. But if it was a, if it was a serial killer, why would there be one leather glove left at the mm-hmm. scene and one leather glove at at OJ's house and blood exactly. on the Bronco? Like exactly, uh, there's no way that a serial killer would have been able to pull that off. I mean, like even there probably is a way, but like, is there a will? No. Even if the glove was planted by that racist cop at Nicole's house, that doesn't explain the blood that got on the Bronco. Yeah, because I I don't think he had un like unlimited access, like unlimited solo access to both the crime scene at Nicole's house, in addition to OJ's estate and his car. Yes. Agreed. That's a stretch. Even by LAPD corruption standards, that's a stretch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Well, I I, mean, I'm sure... I don't actually believe that OJ did it. I don't think he did it. I don't think so either. But I'm sure, like, a lot of our listeners have thoughts on this case. And if you do, let us know. Because we will have posted this on our... um, facebook and our instagram because it is you know a live feed uh episode and if you're outside of the country and there's rumors that you've heard about the case i really want to know them because that would be really interesting i mean i'm sure people from all over the world have thoughts about this case because oh yeah like my boyfriend who's from spain and is a very spanish person um was born in 1999 and is not into true crime at all knew about the case oh yeah and he was like, oh, OJ did it. And I was like, I don't think so. And he was like, really? And so <laughs> I, like, got to, uh-uh. I got to explain. I don't it. think so. Explain. <laughs> explain. <laughs> I got to explain everything to him. Sober, of course. <laughs> I don't think OJ time. did it. I'm sorry. Like, I just am not 100% sold. I, mm, no. If you, have, if you have more evidence and stuff that can convince me that OJ did do it, bring it on. I'm happy to hear it because I want to hear it. Talk but to us. until then, my mind is made up. I think it was the sun. <laughs> but anyways, uh, like Isabella mentioned earlier, or Angelica, I honestly cannot remember at this point which one it was. <laughs> um, future Red Eye episodes can be found on our Patreon. We have uh, one level at the moment, and it's $5. So... If you feel inclined and if you have the money, we would love it if you donated and you get extra episodes. You get Reddit episodes, um, short layover episodes. and Did you say one... Reddit episodes? We don't have Reddit. No, I thought I said Red Eye. It sounded I like you said, said Reddit. I might have just said it really fast. But anyways, Red Eye, um, short layover, and um, one extra full-length episode a month. Um, so if you're into that check us out over there um um and we'll, can also- we'll um we'll have a couple red eyes on our regular feed as well just oh yeah just over the months like when we fun. when we have yeah, one every that we now find and then probably really one every other month or so yeah. but there will definitely be at least one every month on the patreon yeah yeah and then in addition um, to one regular layover episode and a regular full-length episode yes yes 
But if you um, don't feel inclined to donate to our Patreon or you just don't want to, um, you can find us on our social medias. We are at True Crime INTL on Instagram, and you can find us on Facebook by just searching True Crime International in the search bar. We post pictures from all our cases on both places, um, and that's where you can chat with us if you would like to give us your theories. or anything like that, convince us otherwise. I'm totally especially up for about OJ Simpson. Oh, I love oh, yes. talking about this case. <laughs> um, and then we would also love it if you are loving listening to our podcast and you are listening on Apple Podcasts. Um, if you could give us a five star review, um, it really helps us grow and it helps other people find us so they can listen to our episodes as well. And we would really, really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Also, going back to our socials, uh, we have um, case suggestions on our Instagram, like a Google form you can fill out. And yes. if you have like even a red eye episode that you'd be interesting, interested in us talking about while we're drunk, uh, let us know and we'll fuck with it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Especially well-known cases, you know, your Ted Bundy's, Jeffrey Dahmer's, John Wayne Gacy's, BTK's, those sorts of things. We love talking about those. Yeah. We love talking right. about any case. And honestly, those those cases, we have so much information in our brains. We already about... know them, so we're much more comfortable talking about them with booze. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. But other than that, uh, we hope you all had fun today and we hope you enjoyed your stay here at True Crime International. This is our red-eye outro music. Bye.